Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Wrinkled Rabbit Podcast. As always, I'm Bill Borowski. I'm Edward Riebel. And I'm Drew Orler. No Jason this week, but that's okay. We're going to be moseying on right along. And we're talking about an Edward pick. It's the documentary pick for Edward. It is F for Fake. And Edward, do you have the six degrees of separation to see how we connected to last week's movie, Keep Fear? I do. But you can uh, keep five of those degrees of separation in your back pocket. Because Who does we this watched, guy think he is? We watched Cape Fear uh, many moons ago. That had Gregory Peck in it as sort of a little wink and nod to the um, original one. Uh, Gregory Peck was also in Moby Dick, the 1956 version, which featured Orson Welles who made uh, F is for Fake. F for Fake. I always switch between F for fake and F is for fake, so you're you're good. Yeah. Uh, but that's a pretty quick, clean, easy six. Yeah, it might have been two. I I saw you counting out, Drew. But yeah, I was gonna say, got a little big, big for your britches there, saying it was yeah. one when it was two. Hey, it was I got still a, a quick and easy one. Yeah. That's all that really matters in the not end. Not the quickest, but not the quickest, not the easiest, but <laughs> it gets the job done. Uh, but Edward, why'd you choose F for fake for us to talk about this week? Uh, well, A is per usual, just the like third, every third movie or whatever, like to make it a little documentary sort of thing. It kind of tails along like the last few that I had picked where it was sort of like a meta documentary, docu-fiction sort of thing um, is something that I was interested in wanting to explore. And it seemed like who better to check out uh making one of these than Orson Welles. Uh, and I saw your letterboxed bill that you had watched it and loved it. Um, so yeah, I thought it would be a pretty good pick and pretty interesting to talk about based off of what I had seen about it. Um, so yeah. What'd you guys think? Yeah, this was, this was originally going to be like the first documentary I've ever picked, but uh, Edward beat me to the punch. So there are a few movies that I keep pushing back. There was even one that I've been wanting to talk about since the beginning of the podcast that I still haven't picked for whatever reason. Wow. But uh, this is one that I've been wanting to talk to about for a while. It's one of my favorite documentaries, if you can even call it a documentary. I, I honestly kind of call it almost like the original video essay. Yeah. Um, which I love. And the reason why I love this movie so much is the editing. Uh, as an editor myself, it is just chaos and what feels like Wells playing with the form of film and editing. And it's so joyful in that regard. It feels like a filmmaker's movie in that regard. Um, I've listened to like Ryan Johnson talk about it and stuff where any uh, like filmmaker uh, that kind of brings up documentaries, F for F Fake is usually on there uh, just because it, it's so experimental. And is still pretty experimental for uh, documentaries, which in the era of Netflix documentaries, which are pretty, which are fun. Don't get me wrong. I love me a good Netflix documentary, but they have a formula to them and they stick to that formula. And there's a reason why that formula works so well. And this kind of just says, fuck that. I'm going to do my own thing. Uh, and Orson Welles is just a joy to watch because, I mean, it's Orson Welles. He's just b- full of personality. Uh, say what you will about the man, but... He, he is definitely a personality and a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I I absolutely love this movie, and I'm glad we're finally talking about it. Yeah, it made um, Orson Welles' his performance in this movie, or 
I don't know what you'd call it. I mean, it is a performance. It's so magnetic and so good. It was making me think of like a one man show. Like this could have been done as like a a stage production almost. If you if you did similarly clever things, because um, it's anchored by like all his narration and his storytelling of the storytelling. I just found that to be so uh, engrossing. Uh, I did think it was a little too chaotic for me at times. Like I found myself like, okay, okay, like it's going so fast, and especially at the beginning because it it jumps in without even giving you a chance to. It doesn't ease you into anything. It just starts right at the clip that it's at, and it doesn't slow down for the whole movie. Um, which once you got used to it, it was sort of okay, but I found it a little difficult to follow at points, but it was more just because it was a first watch and I had no clue what to expect. You mentioned how it feels more like a video essay than a documentary. I think that's probably a good way of putting it. And yeah, I also agree with what you said, Drew, because I it was like probably one of the tougher watches for me at the start, like 25 minutes in i was just like whoa 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 whoa!" like slow down i started over from the beginning all over again after 25 (laughs) minutes yeah i did (laughs) it's like this i don't even know like where i am right now what's going on and i thought it was funny because like right around that point there was a line that orson wells had where he's like if none of this is making sense if this is all seems too crazy that's because it is and i'm like you know i feel justified in uh you know digesting this again um, and I agree once, once I was all in place, once I realized sort of the deal with our character, Elmir and Cliff, how all that, it was easier to like understand the context of the scenes at the beginning. Once you actually had the context, cause you, you really didn't have any, they just sort of started talking and then Wells was giving his own commentary in the meantime, definitely seemed like scatterbrained in that sense. But once you kind of put it all together, it works. Um, at least once, and also you can appreciate, like you said, the editing, cause, uh, the fact that, uh, it is a documentary, but also stitches together a lot of different things, especially once you get towards the end and it's basically giving you like a narrative as you find out it's stitched together in a way that was really unique and compelling. I'd say. Yeah. I remember when I first watched it. I think it was within like the first minute I was like, oh, I know what this is going to be. I just kind of like sat back and I was like, let it wash over me. So this this watch was much more like getting to enjoy it and kind of know what to expect instead of like trying to kind of piece together the puzzle because it doesn't really reveal itself until honestly the very end of the movie, which is what I partially what I love about it because it has so many different angles to it. Yes, it's scatterbrained, but I just kind of love how chaotic it is because it's trying to cover so many different things. It's like, we're going to jump to here, jump to here, jump to there, jump to there. And I think Orson Welles being your guide through it allows it to work in the way it does. I, I just can't see anyone else trying to like do this and guide through it and not have it kind of fall to pieces. But since you have our, like a legend uh guiding you through it it's like okay uh this is it's it takes a little bit to get kind of get yourself into it but it's it's worth the reward is worth it if you kind of put the effort into kind of engaging with the movie that it kind of needs 
because this is definitely not one where you kind of like turn on and put it in the background you like two seconds go by you look and you're like what the fuck is going on i mean watching the movie you're staring at it and you're like what the fuck is going on so yeah not and not only is he like a legend with the charisma to carry the the energy of the movie but he also genuinely interested in like the questions that he was asking about like what is because it started with just like oh this is a chronicle of an art forger but then it's like well what does it mean to forge art and if he's painting and people think it's real then what does that say about what's real and what's fake and then he connected when he connected it to his own career when he told the story of being in ireland and and starting his career on a, a forgery or a, a fake, I was like, dang. Like, I mean, he obviously was probably embellishing the story. That's my assumption. But um, like he had some skin in the game, I guess, which, which elevated the thing to a different level. Um, and I'm going to make a confession here that I kind of was dozing off towards the end while I was watching and I missed a bit of like the last 20-ish minutes. And then I was like, eh, I, I don't think I missed anything that important. But now you guys are saying that it's like all tied together. So what did I miss <laughs> exactly? Like I heard much... when he was like, I've been lying to you for the past 17 minutes. And yeah, the whole point is that like that whole story that he was telling, um, about the lady and her like basically taking his paintings and then like the grandpa like painting them himself or whatever like selling them yeah um was all made up and so um i see and yeah no it it's one of those okay so i didn't miss much then i thought there was no yeah in a weird way you didn't like a stories (laughs) we tell type reveal I think he was really just kind of prodding uh, the audience there. At least my takeaway for it was like saying like, okay, how do you feel about the fact that I just like faked this last 20 minutes? Yeah. Um, it just kind of like syncs it all together. It's it's just like a very well-written conclusion of like a essay is the way I like to describe it is like, it kind of changes to just be like, okay, this whole, this whole documentary is fake. What does that mean? Like, how do you feel about that? And kind of leaving the audience with that question where it's like this whole, like it's not just about forgery and art. It's just this whole thing, whatever it is, is just about fakery. The stories, some, if not all the stories are fake. What Orson Welles is telling you is fake. He's putting on a persona, which is fake. It's just kind of like that final, like kind of, that final period that kind of sinks it all together where it's like got it what do you think basically yeah Um, i mean it it really like makes you dive sort of into it because you're sort of looking from like a bird's eye at the fakery and how it impacted yada 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 um and then he puts you in a situation where you're directly being deceived and i felt like it was really just asking the audience like okay how do you you know how do you take that um, as somebody who thought this was real and that you were being fed something true and it's not, did it really matter? Um, what were you like ultimately lo- looking for in this story? Cause I think he made a point of like saying something like, I apologize to, uh, Picasso as, uh, basically like using his name 
as a way of like forwarding this message. I just thought of every single biopic um, that's ever been made where they, you know, fudge the details and how <laughs> they never get apologized to. Um, but, you know, there's plenty of details that are fudged in their stories as a way of the writers sort of conveying an idea using their name. So, uh, yeah, it really, I agree, it tied things together pretty nicely. Huh. But yeah, I mean, with this, I mean, that's, a, that was another reason why just like Scatterbrain sort of came to mind even after, um, watching this is because I mean, there was definitely like a unified message in terms of like trickery, fakery and whatnot, but there were also just a lot of like sub elements to it too. Like who gets credit for what, like what um, people are looking for in art and whatnot, like what people value. They're talking about like the demand for art. So I don't know. It was just really like a strange experience where it felt like, I loved all of like the individual segments or whatever, but even after the movie happened, um, I was having a hard time like putting them all into one box, like having them all point in this one same direction toward this one idea, even though it did hard to piece it together. Even after I had like watched it get pieced, pieced together. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I agree with you. It definitely doesn't feel unified, but there's so many like good little, nuggets or like one-off lines or ideas that when they hit I was like oh that's so cool um and so it was kind of breadcrumbing me through the movie where like I would watch and then something cool would happen or a cool idea would bubble up and I'm like oh that's awesome and then it would keep me watching even though it wasn't like you said all pointing in one direction and so I'm left at the end thinking like wow that was so cool but like is it a little too all over the place or how how well is this working as like a a single subject piece i don't know because he got to the i'm thinking about like the end specifically uh what or one of the parts you're talking about the end where he was talking about like the cathedral and like the architecture and how the art of that compares to like the paintings of famous artists that get forged He's like, here's this beautiful thing that represents all these amazing things about humans and what they're capable of and what they value. And it doesn't have a name on it. No one knows who like did all this stuff. And yet it's so important. And so like when you have art and like artworks, you're paying for the signature, you're paying for the name. Um, and what does that do to like the value of the art itself? And I thought that was a super cool idea, but also it was coming at the very tail end. And I was like, I don't know, like, what does this have to do with everything else? Like, it kind of has something to do with it, but it doesn't feel like it was, that idea was there at the beginning. And it's now like tying it together. He feels like he's putting it in at the end just as like an extra piece of information. So I don't know. Not to like critique Orson Welles on his filmmaking or anything, because like, who am I? <laughs> but, you know, that was like a perfect example, sort of, of what um, I was thinking of. Where on its own, it was like an idea that I just loved. And I was trying to think of where I had heard this, um, but it was a re like some story. I forget if it was like somebody an interview or um, if it was just like a character. I genuinely can't remember. Um, but I just remember somebody talking about like their dad would like fix up houses and like do like work on either like, you know, the interior, like porches, et cetera, et cetera. 
And it was something along the lines of like, well, I don't like, he didn't really do it for money. And he was like, I don't do it for the money. I do it because like it leaves an impact. And like, that's sort of like putting my mark on the world kind of thing is by like, you know, helping with these structures. Mm. Um, and when it came to this movie and they're talking about like credit and whatnot, cause I, even after I heard that, I remember thinking like, wow, well, like nobody's going to step on that porch that he had just made and think like, wow, like this was done by this guy. Like it was such a great piece of art, you know, but there's other pieces of art, like paintings or sculptures, for example, where it's almost like intertwined with, um, the vision, like who is the one that did it on its own. Like it's a really, really neat idea. I just feel like, um, maybe the reason why it didn't hit as much or feel like as connected is because uh, it started out like the majority of the runtime was spent on this story between Elmir and Cliff. And then as it got near the end, it sort of separated from them and tried to get into these bigger ideas, but there, you know, there wasn't really much runtime left for them. And, and in that sense, then it makes it hard to wonder. Cause I know this is another thing we've talked about on here is like how much of uh you know, the enjoyment from something is like what it actually presented you or what you like take away and then like spin a, you know, what you start thinking about it and mm -hmm. like the rabbit hole leads you down. Uh, and I felt like this was a perfect example of this where it left a lot of like rabbit holes. Um, oh yeah. Which on its own, I guess is good, you know, cause not every single movie does that, but how much credit do you give like the movie for that? I don't know. Yeah. I was definitely experiencing a, a lot of that where it's just like, I don't know. I think it's just Orson Welles when he says stuff, he says it in such a way that it feels so like, I don't like meaningful and and poetic and cool. He's such a good storyteller. That's I don't know. It's just he he has a way. Um, like the story that he told about Picasso being able to recognize fakes. Like people would bring him a Picasso thing, and he was like, "Oh, that's a fake." And then he'd bring him one and he'd be like, oh, that's a fake. And then they're like, well, I watched you paint this one, though. And then he's like, I can do Picasso fakes, too. He's like, I do them just as well as anyone else, is what Picasso said. <laughs> and it's just like a combination of Orson Welles saying that and also just the quote itself being like a pretty cool, like, I don't know, idea. That it just makes the whole movie feel bigger in your head when it gets your brain going yeah i guess he is really the like unifying force in this movie if anything just like the yeah. existence of orson wells like um, i agree with you bill i don't think this movie would be anywhere near as good as it is without him if anything i just see it as like we kind of get an insight to what his diary is it's just him asking <laughs> all these questions and things he's fascinated by it's just a glimpse into the head of Orson Welles, which I love. It's just, what does he find fascinating? What are the questions that he brings up when or thinks about when these different subjects go on? Where he's like, all right, I'm bored with that now. I'm I'm focused on this question now. And it's like, oh, wait, that spawns this. Let's follow that rabbit hole down. Where it's mainly about him exploring different things about the overall topic of concept of fakery um, and art being in itself fake mm -hmm. it, to an extent um i don't think we're uh, like it's just it doesn't work it, I, it's it's not something where i'd say like it has a overall like i don't know unifying message it's just presenting you a lot of things and then just being like 
figure it out. What do you think? I kind of showed you my exploration of this. Do it for yourself. And that's kind of how I see it as that. Because this watch was very much like... It, it, it felt like you were just kind of watching him go along this journey. And it's kind of the... It's about the journey, not the destination kind of thing. At least that's what I took away from it. Where it's like, I don't really care what it all led to or what what the accumulation of it all is. The experience of going along the journey with Orson Welles, diving into these questions and these stories, that was enough for me. And that's what my biggest takeaway from the movie is. Is that actually the progress of trying to ask these questions and possibly finding answers, if there are any answers... What's the point of the movie? At least to me. I like that. I can get behind that for sure. Yeah, I, I, I like that too. And I think that also um, ties into something else because I just thought it was also um, really strange how it felt like it was in its own universe. Like it didn't, a lot of documentaries, you'll see them try to, uh, or even video essays too, if we're going to compare it to that, like anything of this format would try to tie it into something larger. But Orson Welles um, seemed to be like the larger thing in this movie. Like he has his own like gravitational pull and um, the ideas just sort of stood on their own without like any context as to the like, time period which they were um, put in, which I thought was kind of kind of a strange feeling to watch happen on camera. I don't know if any of you guys felt the same way. Are you talking about like the the style of the film has no like predecessors or things so you can be like oh that seems inspired by that or whatever like he's like yeah, making the guess, aesthetic Yeah, I guess that sort of it ties into that in how um I mean that's Orson Welles in a nutshell. Is. That man yeah. is just trendsetter. Yeah. He's like I'm going to set this trend. I'm going to start this shit. I mean yeah. Citizen Kane is literally like that's the first movie that uses fucking deep focus like the man's a trailblazer. Say what you will about him. He probably wasn't the best person. But the man blazed trails for cinema. And I think this is an example of that. I think just as much, maybe not as much of, not as like the behemoth of Citizen Kane, but I definitely think it's in the discussion of, especially with like, we're, if we're looking at like YouTube video essays, I, I'm like, this is like, this is where it started. Or like, this is like, it cut the, a lot of stuff, whether you know it or not, comes from this. Yeah, it's Casey almost like Neistat. a Rosetta Stone. Casey Neistat. <laughs> Casey Neistat wouldn't be shit without Horson Wells. Honestly, I yeah. But oh my god, just the idea of Orson Wells doing the daily vlog where he's like, "Here I am again today, ordering my favorite steak at this French restaurant." How quaint. <laughs> well, I oh, um, riding amazing. a skateboard around town. Yeah, oh my god, that'd be amazing. <laughs> well, I think that, like, going back to what you said, like, the editing being such so cool in this movie, I think that thinking about the fact that the editing was done manually on film, and they achieved such quick pace, and so much, like, so much, like, so many, like, meta effects where they're, like, filming the the little monitor and then, like, the monitor zooms out and the monitor's on a monitor. Um, you've got all this stuff going and they were, like, in an editing, like, they're, like, in an editing room, like, doing it all on film. 
I feel like it's easier today than it ever was to do really fast paced editing because you're just in your little digital editing studio, but to do it the way they did it is like a totally different thing. It probably went against like many conventions of, of like physical editing. I don't know. That's another aspect that always blows me away. Just watching this. I'm like, I, I am thinking of like the editor splicing together, like the second, the split second cuts and all that. I'm like, you're having to cut the film out. You're having to cut the frame out, state like, uh, tape, glue it together, put it together, reel it back into the moviola, see if it works. Oh, it doesn't work. You gotta take that out, find the frame again. Like it's it's the mind boggles when I when I watch this movie. I'm just like, what the hell? It's like a pure like technical marvel mm-hmm. in what they're able to do in terms of editing in the analog age. This also could just be the fact of like the most I've edited is on like VHS tape or DV tape, which sucks ass. So uh, the concept of like what they had to do with film analog editing, it just, it blows the mind. It blows the mind. It's like watching like Lord of the Rings and you're like, how the fuck did they pull this off? It's like watching that with editing. Yeah. There's a moment really early on in the movie I think it's when Orson Welles is kind of like setting, he's doing his little monologue to like set up the film. And there's like a half a second cut where they show like stage lights and then it cuts back to him. And it's funny to imagine Orson Welles in the editing room trying to justify like all that work just to get that little bit in there. And they're like, well, why don't we just keep this continuous? And he's like, no, no, no. We need the stage light shot. In there those three frames need to be in there and he's like well why and he's like well it's blah 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 i don't know like it's funny to imagine what a nightmare he was just listen to me damn it like yeah and then they do it and he's like i think it needs one more frame like we need to add one more frame of the the stage lights and then it'll be and i can and i cannot count the many times where i've done stuff like that and an editor and like a co-editor is wanting to like punch me in the face and having to do that on film oh god it just makes the process even harder because that's just like moving the, your cursor a little bit it's like a second but that's like that could take a few like a minute or a few minutes that just it 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 just blows my mind uh i just feel like this is one of those movies if you if i taught an editing class this would be one of if not the first movie i showed and i'm like that's like the benchmark that's like when we're talking about like the most editing. This is like because I feel like with the Oscars, the best at editing Oscars, like what has the like most editing? What's the most clearly like cuts? Like clearly, it's been edited in a way or style. <laughs> this is that to a T, but done expertly and perfectly in my mind. It's just like amazing. Uh, also, Apocalypse Now. Anything by Walter Murch, you show in that class because that man's a genius. Don't get me started on Walter Murch. I could go all day. I got his book, like, literally, I'm looking at it right now. So Didn't you not like his book? I think I remember us talking about it. I really like his book. It's definitely, like, I don't know. It's a good, like, intro to editing class book. It's hmm. it's a lot of stuff I knew already, just because I had studied got Murch it. already. So it's, like, it, it, it was kind of, like, looking it up and being, like, yep, I, yep, I've heard the man talk about this before. So, but if, like you're trying to get into editing or something that's like i think an essential book 
uh, if you want to be an editor. And if you haven't, like, started, like, diving in and it just kind of interests you, I think that's, like, a seminal kind of th- thing to read, whether you agree with him or not. So. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole academic film shit. That, that, that'll take all day. Is there anything else we want to talk about? Or is that time, Drew? I think that it time is that time. Off the box. Cool, because that means one thing and one thing only. That means it's time for a little segment we like to call... Listen, you little wiseacre. I'm smart, you're dumb. I'm big, you're little. I'm right, you're wrong. And there's nothing you can do about it. And it's a segment where we pick a letterbox review. It gives us the alternate or differing perspective of what we were talking about today, usually. And we give our counterpoints or reasons why they should get another chance for rewatch. Uh, and Drew, take it away with this week's review. What is it going to be? Okie dokie. This person's four favorite movies are Nicholas Winding Refn's Drive, Columbus, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Woman in the Dunes. They have a rating guide in their bio. Two and a half stars means not for me slash indifferent. And that's what they gave F is for fake or F for fake. And this is what they had to say about it. An exercise in trickery and editing, Orson Welles likens what he does to a magician, opening with the idea that magicians are just actors. The thing is, magicians shouldn't outright let the audience know what the trick will be. Not only will that ruin the reveal, but the setup or uh, distraction being the true life story in this case will drag and lose the attention of the audience since they know where the trick is headed. And unfortunately, that's exactly what happened for me. I knew the trick and consequently the eventual point he was trying to make. Um, Therefore, the story about the forger and the author really didn't captivate me at all. In general, the doc had a greater focus on the implications forgery has on art dealers and legality rather than originality of ideas and the artistic process. And to me, the business side of art is just the least enticing. And the two forgers weren't that interesting by themselves and quickly became repetitive. Insert a self-indulgent look at his own career in between parts of the story, and you got a disjointed documentary with ironically a fake, deep look into forgery and originality. Orson simply just tried to entertain rather than say much, but unfortunately his magic did not work for me. I mean, I see where they're coming from in some levels, especially where they say that the um, two fakers that he that were the main subjects were not all that uh, interesting. I think he's got a point there. I couldn't really tell you anything about Elmir or Cliff. They were, I mean, they're mostly just like vehicles for Wells to sort of just get his thoughts out. I mean, even somebody like Howard Hughes, who was like featured, you know, well-known person and whatnot. Even when he was like kind of featured in the scenes and he was the subject of it, I didn't really find myself gravitating towards learning anything about like uh, Howard Hughes. Uh, it was all sort of just. I mean, this this movie was the Orson Welles show. I guess that's what. Uh, yeah. That's what you have to respond to that with. Like only Orson Welles can bring Howard Hughes in just as like a springboard for himself. And, like, ultimately (laughs) for Orson Welles, he's way more interesting than even Howard Hughes. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's all just, like, oh, he thinks this is an interesting, like, segue to find a way to talk about what he wants to talk about. 
Um, and I guess you could see that as a negative, but I mean, I found what he had to say to be kind of interesting. So I was like, okay with him taking the left turn. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, we, Edward just said it, it's the Orson Welles show. And if you're not a fan of Orson Welles, it's him for like an hour and 20 minutes directed talking directly toward you. And it's very much him. So if you're not a fan of that, totally understand he's a little he's an asshole so but he's also really intelligent i think he makes some really interesting observations so yeah i totally get showing this to someone being like it was annoying it was just kind of like all over the place but i i find charm in that because it's just so it's swinging for the fences and it might be a foul ball to some but it could be a grand slam for others and uh Either way you see it, I totally understand. It's, um, yeah. At the end of the day, it's an experiment. And, like, experiments almost never, in like, impress or satisfy everybody. And that's kind of the point, is to see, like, what sticks and, and what doesn't. It's just to try something new. Which I found refreshing, even if not fully successful. I always appreciate experimentation, like unsuccessful experimentation over successful, like boilerplate filmmaking. Yeah, absolutely. Like the topic of the documentary or whatever, it absolutely felt like um, he had this, like, you know, these ideas like swimming around in his head for a long time. And he kind of just picked this as the springboard for it, as opposed to, I feel, you know, most documentaries. I get the feeling that the topic comes first. The best way I can kind of the best way I can kind of describe what this movie really was, at least for me, this is my conspiracy theory. He filmed a lot of things. The Elmir stuff, just the segments that come from like a, another movie, basically, the opening, uh, and then he just kind of had these questions, and he kind of saw that some of these things kind of connected in some way, and then kind of went from there where he had this material kind of already or he it was going to be an Elmir documentary but while making it he was like I kind of have questions and other things that are on my mind and I'm going to change it Um, it kind of feels like it started off as one thing and within editing and just making the the thing it just evolved into this beast of like what the fuck is it Watch it and find out. <laughs> so that's my conspiracy theory of how this kind of came to be. I definitely think it started off as probably one thing and ended up to what this is today. That is really funny to think about, actually, that he probably, you know, got a hold of Elmir and maybe even the Cliff guy and was like, hey, I'm making a documentary like all about you guys. It's going to tell your story. And then this comes out. They would probably be <laughs> like pissed. Um, yeah, I think it worked out a lot better. And obviously, you know, he's the one who had all the, you know, all the footage and everything mapped out originally. So Orson, I'll take, I'll trust Orson Welles on this one, but I assume that this turned out a lot better, um, than, you know, just a traditional documentary about these guys. So it's always, it, it it's always interesting to see a competent, like thing but also seeing a car crash whether it be a beautiful car crash or a very devastating one you can't take your eyes off it uh (laughs) yeah i wouldn't call this a car crash but it's definitely an experiment and 
I just like seeing people try new things, even if it's not super successful. I just, I commend them for going at it. And especially if they go at it like 100%, like just balls to the wall. Like, this is what I'm doing. Fuck tradition. Fuck whatever the common course of what this usually goes into. And this is definitely kind of a fuck you to like traditional narrative and traditional documentary narrative. Uh, for better or worse, up to you to decide. But with that being said, is there anything else we want to talk about, or is it the time for final thoughts? Does Does anyone know how this movie was marketed, or like what the was it just like a wide release? Like this is the Orson Welles movie. I I have no idea, but I, I know if his. Imagine. I know with his later career stuff, I mean, Orson Welles just made stuff overseas because he just couldn't get funding for anything in America. So the way I see it, it probably just kind of came into theaters and then went away. But I know, like, in France, they're a lot more forgiving to more differently made films. And I'm pretty sure that's where he did most of his, like, productions in the later half of his career. This is all, like kind of me guessing or at least trying to remember what I know of Wells, which isn't too much. I know a, bit, a little bit, but I'm, I, I, it's definitely not a studio movie that was marketed to like Joe Schmo. I will tell you that. I know that for sure because if it was, oh God, I want to see whatever the reaction was at the time. Probably my guess is that it released in a few art theaters, probably wasn't going to see the light of day if ever to like a big audience um and then eventually like copies found their way and word spread because it's orson wells because or i know orson wells at during toward the, toward the end of his career was definitely torpedoed and no one kind of respected him expect, except for like film students so that's definitely something i want to do research on see what the kind of release strategy or whatever the response yeah. to the film was at the time because i know now it's kind of considered as like Oh, you're going into documentary? Watch this. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's like a kind of a staple at this point. Mm. Uh and, and I think it's I'm kind of going to kind of go into my final thoughts here, but I think out of the few things of Orson Welles I've seen, this is my favorite thing with his involvement more than Citizen Kane. I just think it's just it's him going to an experimental degree. Is Citizen Kane a bet like a better constructed movie? Yeah, but I just think the the pure experimentation and like the just chaos of it isn't um, isn't like a lot of things I've seen, and it, every the, the tw- two times I've I've seen it, it at each time I walked away just like wow that was a lot, and I just admire him for doing that and having it come out the way it was because I can't even imagine what the process of putting it together even looks like it's just like a jigsaw puzzle within like a trapezoid inside a like Rubik's cube of trying to put this thing together and it coming out the way it did just is astounding to me. Um, Yeah. It's just a nice little puzzle box of a movie that I think I'm just going to keep going back to and just getting more out of it. Uh, And that in itself is worth its value to me and kind of why Citizen Kane everyone knows is great. This is like the like weird little stepchild that like isn't perfect by any means, but 
it, it has it has one hell of a personality, and for whatever reason, it just it it hits me a certain way. And also, uh, I could just watch Orson Welles talking about fakery for the rest of my life and be entertained. So, there's definitely a hot take saying that F for fake is better than Citizen Kane. I'm not sure if I can. I like it more than Citizen Kane. I won't say it's better than. Okay, Citizen okay, Kane. that's more. It's a pure personal thing. Yes, Kane. Citizen uh, Kane is. It's Citizen Kane. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not a fucking dipsh. I'm not an asshole. Yeah. Well. I'm not sure. I'm saying I'm not sure if I can go totally, totally follow you on saying it's more enjoyable than Citizen Kane, but I will agree with you that it's like a much more extravagant show of experimentation than Citizen Kane is. Citizen Kane has a lot of experimentation, but it's very synthesized and like, um, like there's there's enough subtlety to the experimentation in order for it to also be like a palatable film for for most audiences at that time i like um, how it beats me in the face drew with its style okay i like how much it just slams the baseball bat over my head and i'm like okay this is filmmaking all right yes <laughs> <laughs> um but it is interesting how as far as i know documentary made by orson welles there's a lot of experimentation there, but it's not like, and although you said, Bill, that like brought up a lot when you're getting into like the nitty gritty of talking about documentary, um, Orson Welles isn't talked about as like a big documentary filmmaker, even though he made this movie, but it's not like on the level of, I don't know, like Errol Morris or the company original cast guy. Penny Baker, Ken Jones, yeah, like all the all the biggies of like the latter half of the twentieth century. Um, but I feel like this movie definitely belongs in the conversation just because of the way it's like subverting all the ideas and conventions that were of documentary that were like constructed during that those decades. Um. And so it would be interesting to see it be more part of the conversation because love it or hate it, it's there and it has influence. Um, probably mostly because it's it's Orson Welles, but still, I found it to be pretty, you know, pretty interesting and definitely worth talking about in the context of documentary filmmaking. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't think anybody except Orson Welles would have been able to pull it off at the time. You know, anyone as nearly as bold or um, with that sort of charisma to just completely anchor um, this sort of format the way that he does. Um, and yeah, I mean, once again, it was, you know, it's tough to get into it first, but once you really dive, dive into the material, um, and let it fully sink in. Uh, you can really start to appreciate uh, all the different elements of it. Um, and once again, the editing, for example, it's uh, you know it's as good as um, anything that we've talked about on here. Uh, and that alone makes it worth a watch. I think the best comparison, Bill, you said it's like a, watching a car crash where you just can't look away. I'd compare this to like uh, 
crazy Rube Goldberg machine mm. or uh, experiment, you know, where you're just sort of yeah, watching everything go along it. and you're like, huh, mm, ah, you know, and just <laughs> pleas- pleasantly You think surprised. it's going to go off the rails like, ah, ah. Yeah, pleasantly surprised along the way. There's a few tricks that you didn't expect, but, you know, sometimes a little bit, you know, appears overly convoluted, but it all works in a really cool way and like takes a lot of these like like mechanics that you wouldn't think could be done in xyz way and it it makes it work so um yeah absolutely absolutely worth a watch well said everybody as always and now it's time to talk about or figure out what we're going to be talking about next week it's down to two people it's down to one person who's here and one person that's not it's down (laughs) drew and jason let's find out who it's gonna be can it just be me then Spin the wheel. No, we're not. We're not cheaters like you. I'm not. I'm the. I'm the referee. <laughs> we'll do this, this with match. integrity. Drew. I feel like. I feel I, like I there's integrity. Precedent for that, though. I feel like we've done that before. Yeah, when I'm not here, but I'm here. So <laughs> no yeah, way. Just, you don't we've... own this podcast. <laughs> I edit most of it. But you don't. I, I agree. It. I agree with Bill. Flip the coin. Oh, Flip a coin. come on! But but you All get right. to do it. You can you can do like a wink wink nod nod if you wanted to. But I have integrity too. I never lie about the wheel. Mm. <laughs> All right, wait. One hundred percent honesty. Do you guys think I lie about the wheel? No, no, no. <laughs> right hand to God, I do not lie about the wheel. <laughs> And with that being said, it did land on me. <laughs> All right. And I'm, See, there you go. I'm serious. It did land go. on me. <laughs> um, and I have a pick. Are you sure you're not deferring it to Jason this time? No. True. Uh, yeah. This First week, we're watching a movie that, like you were saying earlier, Bill, has been, you know, in the running for being picked for this podcast, but hasn't yet been picked until today we are going to watch for next week american animals the mockumentary or documentary <laughs> docufiction blend about the art thieves i don't even know who directed the movie i just know it's produced by movie pass let me see it who is right, produced right. by movie pass yeah i'm pretty sure it's a documentary filmmaker primarily bart layton who hasn't really done much since. But this was a movie that when I saw it back in, you know, back when it came out, it like kind of rocked my world. I like loved this movie. And I was going to say, you had like a moonlight about it. Yeah, I kind of did. Um, and so I'm eager to see like how I, how I feel about it um, this time. And I think we'll have a good conversation. Because even outside of, like, whether I think it's the greatest movie of all time or not, um, it is, you know, an interesting movie. We're probably going to have similar stuff to talk about with the whole, like, melding of documentary and fiction that seems to be a running theme on this podcast these days. Mm. So that's American Animals. I I just remembered Edward and I coming up being like, we enjoyed it. It was was pretty good. And you were like, what? No, it's it's, it's amazing. (laughs) It breaks new ground. It's... It's the it's 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 God it's God coming down from the heavens. And I was just like, <laughs> I liked it, man. Yeah, but I we'll am excited see. to see it because I I remember really enjoying it. So I, and I remember 
yeah, I, I just remember it being a really interesting, fun movie. So, And it's kind of continuing the conversation of this week, so it'll be very interesting to say the least. So thank you to King Liam, as always, for the great intro yeah. and outro yeah. music. Uh, and check out Acquainted with the Night on Instagram and Facebook. Acquainted WT Night on Instagram. Uh, Acquainted with the Night Film on Facebook. Uh, it's very near done. It'll probably probably have news at the very end of the year. Probably, hopefully. Um, but yeah, check out American Animals for next week, and we'll see you all next week for some art theft at a college. You know, just some good old fashioned. Guys, be in the See you next week. Bye.